Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Friday, July the 28th, 2023, and it is the 16th Friday in Ordinary Time. Today's reading is from the gospel according to St. Matthew. Jesus said to his disciples, hear the parable of the sower. The seed sown on the path is the one who hears the word of the kingdom without understanding it. And the evil one comes and steals away what was sown in his heart. The seed sown on rocky ground is the one who hears the word and receives it at once with joy, but he has no root and lasts only for a time. When some tribulation or persecution comes because of the word, he immediately falls away. The seed sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but then worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke the word, and it bears no fruit. But the seed sown on rich soil is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and yields a hundred or sixty or thirtyfold. So the past couple weeks, we've gotten a lot of these gospels about parables and about planting seeds. We've heard this gospel, this specifically this gospel has already been read in the past week. Uh, it was a longer version where Jesus talks about the good stuff that happens and the bad stuff that happens and the good and the bad that happen with parables. And he tells the parable, he explains the parable. And one of the things that I had said about um, the seeds that do not succeed in growing plants are that there's, well, there's three examples, and these three examples are, in fact, um, representative of the world, the flesh, and the devil. And these are the three sources of temptation, according to traditional Catholic theology. There's a lot of things that come in threes, as we've heard many times in our lives. So when Jesus is tempted in the desert, there's three types of temptation, the world, the flesh, and the devil. When Jesus talks about what we are to do to gain spiritual merit, he says prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Why? Because these overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil. When religious take their vows, poverty, chastity, and obedience, these are meant to overcome the world, the flesh, and the devil in a more definitive way, a definitive state. And we are all called to live what we call the uh, the theological virtues, poverty, chastity, and obedience. We are all called to live that according to our state in life. So Jesus is saying, when seeds are planted, ideally we need good soil, and then we will see growth. You'll know them from their fruits. There's two important things here. There's the seed and there's the soil. The seed, we are told, is, well, Jesus is the planter. The seed is the word of God. And there are lots of different ways that we plant seeds. That's what evangelization is all about. Through good deeds, good example, through our preaching of the word, discussing the faith, works of charity, etc. So we plant seeds and they are God's seeds. Jesus is using us sometimes, but Jesus is the planter. And then there's the soil. And Jesus is giving us a little bit of an exhortation here to make sure we have good soil. And that means, well, it means so many things. 
It means we ourselves trying to know God better. We ourselves pursuing the truth. We ourselves reading the scriptures. And, you know, this is especially a duty for parents with their children. What am I doing to till the soil of my son or daughter's heart? Making sure it's not loaded up with corruption that comes from the media, that comes from bad television or websites, reading, etc. Trying to maintain the innocence of ourselves and our young people but also just a healthy way of living is surrounding ourselves with good people being family oriented, good, clean fun instead of entertainment that's filled with sin, like shows and movies that put down authority that, that, you know, destroy the family in different ways. So we till the soil. Of course we till the soil. Even, I mean, everything is connected Grace builds on nature. And I had already talked about this the other day. So even eating healthy is part of it. All these things we do to till the soil so that when the seeds are planted, they will take root. Bringing our kids to church, trying to pray with our kids. Notice I say try, but the younger they are, the easier it is to get them in the pattern. Praying with our families, using whatever opportunity we can to grow together spiritually and building up each other's self-esteem. Jesus was doing this constantly with his disciples. Notice what he does. He doesn't approach Matthew or Mary Magdalene with preachy words. You're going to hell if you don't do what I say. But rather, he reaches out to them in love, despite the fact that they are known sinners. He builds them up. He affirms them. He gives them a home, emotionally speaking. And then they are willing to open up to him. And they are willing to allow the seeds to be planted. He's able to pick out the weeds while he's planting the wheat. So when it comes to this reading about the world, the flesh, and the devil, the other side, the, the, the seeds that don't take root, we have the evil one coming to steal away what was sown. Happens in so many ways. I had a, uh, a family that I used to work with. And it's a really tragic story. The mother used to come to me all the time and say, you know, I, uh, I homeschooled my kids until eighth grade and we had great results. The kids were innocent. They were good. They got good grades in school. They learned their faith really well. They prayed. Then I sent them to a Catholic high school and their faith has been destroyed. And now they even hate me because they realize all the things that I kept them from. In other words, sinful things. And the older boy ended up dying, actually. He got in with a bad crowd. There were a lot of drugs involved. For the next four years, I I talked to her a lot, and I worked with this kid a lot, and I tried to get him involved in good things, tried to stay connected, but he really just, he was overwhelmed by the the lure of, you know, worldly things. It was really just the devil, an all-out attack on this innocent good kid where the other kids might have been a little bit more balanced. He went from one extreme to the other. And then uh, it was like right after graduation, he was into some bad stuff and they got in a car one night. I think they might've been drunk or high or whatever. And he crashed the car and he died. And it was absolutely devastating. And so we look at this and we say, what are we doing? First of all, what's going on in our Catholic schools? 
And why are we not doing more with these kids? Why are, why are we not a better uh, engine for evangelization? But also just how do we find that balance? You know, when you are homeschooling, how can you still teach the kids about the world without them, uh, you know, without them indulging in it, but at the same time, without them being surprised by it. And he was surprised in a way that made him interested in it. Like, Ooh, look at all that I've missed. So it's a challenge. It's a challenge, but that's an example of the devil just coming all at this kid to say, no, no, no. You think you got away from me? No, I'm going to increase my attacks on you. I'm going to come at you with, with everything I got. So then the second example, the seed sown on rocky ground. One hears the word, receives it at once with joy, but it has no root. It lasts only for a time. When tribulations or persecutions come because of the world, they fall away. So it didn't take root. I Another great high school example of this one is all the retreats we did with these kids. And... You know, some of these kids really did have good soil and they went on the retreat and it caused them to just grow all the more deeply in their faith. But some of these kids had nothing when it came to the faith beforehand. And we might have had amazing retreats where these kids fell in love with Jesus in a couple of days. But the struggle was trying to get some good follow up to the retreat because they went back to their Catholic education, which wasn't really Catholic. Uh, they went back to their families who didn't practice their faith. They went back to their friends who were really anti-faith. Their school in in effect was anti-faith. They weren't going to church, you know, and then they fell away. And I thought, wow, we were on this retreat together. You fell in love with Jesus. We were worshiping him together before the blessed sacrament. And they so easily fell away after a week or two. I remember one time it was after the first really big high school retreat I had done. Uh, I got a call the next day or a couple days later for the, from the kids asking me, where can we go to have adoration? I'm like, oh, you have no idea how proud I am of you guys. And uh, I introduced them to some adoration chapels in the area. You can go here and you can pray all you want. Bring your friends, pray together. But that didn't last long. So that was an example of the flesh, you know, where... Things need to good, good, good things need to be deeply rooted. Instead, there's a lot of evil things that are deeply rooted. So we need to clean out the flesh and, and it's, you know, we need to figure out how to do it for ourselves too, and then figure out how to do this for our kids. But yes, the, uh, the flesh is the sins that come from inside. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot to, to, I mean, for so many of us, myself included, it's a long process of saying, how do I overcome the temptations that are within me, that are ingrained in me from years and years and years? But you know what? I've made so much progress. So many people I know have made so much progress. We're not perfect. But when we turn our lives to the Lord and we just do the work that needs to be done, maybe some of it is from a psychological, emotional standpoint. Some of it is from a spiritual standpoint but we do the work. Why am I so attracted to, and then you name whatever the sin is, whatever the addiction is. Maybe it's pride and gossip. Why am I so into that? And what can I do to satisfy those longings of my heart so that I'm not drawn to that stuff? I mean, cold turkey. Yeah, we can do that. Chances are we're going to fall again, but looking deeper, 
What's in me that makes me want to do that sin? It could be a drinking addiction, a drug addiction, a gambling addiction, a porn addiction, a food addiction. The list goes on and on. What is it in me that's drawn to that stuff versus, you know, what can I do to fill my heart with the good, with the the Lord and, and just good things from the Lord, like better relationships so that I'm not drawn to that stuff? How can I build up my self-esteem so that I don't feel like a piece of garbage who's only happy when he's drunk? I don't know. The list goes on and on of all our different struggles and issues. We all got them. And then we have the world, which is the seed sown among thorns. One who hears the world, but worldly, the word and worldly anxiety and the lure of riches choke it and it bears no fruit. So our Lord says two things there, anxieties and riches. One seems to go in a positive direction, the riches, like, oh, you know, (laughs) look at all I got. I don't need the Lord. I don't need faith. I have my money. And then anxieties, that's more of a negative thing. Then anxiety would be something to hold us back, drag us down. How many times we make decisions based on our anxieties? How many times, I don't know, just one example is coming to mind right now. A person takes a job because of the money instead of because it's something they genuinely feel called to do because they're worried about worldly anxieties instead of trusting the Lord to go in the direction that they feel him calling them to. So that kind of wraps up both of those. So yes, the stuff all around us is going to drag us down. The lure of riches. At one point in the gospel, Jesus says money is the root of all evil. I mean, we certainly need it. I just remember Jimmy Stewart, you know, well, it comes in real handy around here, bub, he says to Clarence the angel, because they lost $8,000. And now he's thinking of taking his life. And the point of the angel is that, well, your life is worth so much more than a stupid $8,000. No matter how much money it is, it's nothing compared to the things that matter most. Your life, your relationships, your faith. And notice in that movie what happens. When he finally turns around, when he finally realizes how important his life is, he says, Clarence, help me. Clarence, help me. Okay, I want to live. And nothing happens yet until he says, dear God, let me live again. And then the world goes back to the way it was when he prays, when he turns to the Lord. So the Lord has given us far better stuff. Whatever we're attracted to in the world Learn to spend some time in adoration. It's so much better than all that other stuff put together. Learn to spend some time with Our Lady, praying the rosary, maybe making a trip to a shrine, whatever it might be. There's so many different ways we can inspire our faith and surround ourselves with the good things. It's funny, you come into where I live and it's like, all right, there's the TV and the phone and there's a lot of temptations and distractions there. You walk into my bedroom, it looks like a shrine because there's statues and pictures. And I see them and I see my friends. I see pictures of the saints, statues of the saints. And it makes me want to talk to them. And I have so much peace afterward. I have so much joy afterward. It's amazing. Versus feeling like, bleh, you know, after sitting there on Facebook for an hour or watching a show. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're not. A little bit of media is okay, especially if we're using it for the good or a little bit of relaxation here and there, even a little bit of family time here and there. But even there, now you got to watch and make sure that everything is uh, proper ratings and all this, not loaded with garbage that's just going to drag us down, drag us into sin. 
So there's so many things that distract us. This is a constant battle for our souls. And we have to realize, you know, somebody said something to me the other day, and I hear this all the time, and it drives me nuts when people say it. Well, there's nothing you can do about it. This is how it is. And I said to the person, no, you control your destiny. And I couldn't say too much about the faith at that moment because of where I was, but we control our destiny and we can invite the Lord in and the Lord can transform anything for the good. God's will be done. So let us till the soil of our hearts. Let us allow the Lord to plant the seeds. Let us continue to plant seeds and be his agents, planting those seeds within our own souls and as much as we can in the souls of the people around us whether it's through the word directly or whether it's simply through charity and kindness. Let us continue to be the sowers, the planters, God's agents. Let us continue to till our own soil that we may bear good fruit because our Lord promises us peace. He promises that the truth will set us free. So I hope everybody has a great day. God bless you. And let us continue to pray for each other and let us continue to grow in our faith and bear good fruit.